Every believer has the capacity to live as Jesus lived. Live victoriously over sin, sickness, death, poverty, and every evil works of the enemy. You can transform not just your own life, but the lives of people around you. The more you expose yourself to the words of God, the more you see it flow through you. In this message, Pastor Philip teaches on how you can respond to God's unconditional love for you. Live your life in the reality of His power and be all His Word says you can be. Amen. So good morning, everyone. How are you doing? Um, so who's online? Who's there? If you're online, say hi. Let me say hi to you back. I think I can see Jide. Jide online. Hello, Jide. How are you doing? Who else is online? Comment on the screen. If you're online, say hi. Say hello. Say something. Let me know you're there. Hey, Amen. What about Instagram? Do you have anybody on Instagram? Yeah. Plum fragrance. Plum fragrance. Hey, young. IBK. IBK, how are you doing? It's good to Baba know you're online. Baba Yemi is always online. He's always there. Thank you, Baba Yemi. Temi. Temi, good to know you're here this morning. How are you doing? Karen, Sister Karen. Sister Karen. How are you doing? How is mommy doing? Mr. Josh. Mr. Josh. Josh, Bishop Josh. Miss Peter. Bonfi. Ubong. It's good to know you online. I was so glad that you were blessed yesterday. Thank you for the feedback. Ibi Ibi Who's that? Miss Beams. Beams. That should be. That should be beautiful. A friend ordered me for my degree. As a friend, my degree. Hey, friend, good morning. How are you doing? How is Bruno? <laughs> Mr. Chris Duke. Chris Duke. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. So, what you're gonna do for me is to don't just comment. You know, let me know how how is blessing. You say something. Say hi. Let me know how much you've been blessed, and then share it on your WhatsApp. Share it on your Facebook. Today I'm going to be sharing on something very, very, very important. Something that can change our lives entirely. So I want, I want you, I want you to be a part of it. Praise the Lord. So please share on your page, share on your Facebook, share on your Instagram if you can. Let people know that we're online. This is going to change our lives entirely, entirely. We'll never remain the same again. So if you're here today, you're bored of religion. Bring it out, be kissing. You are bored of religion, bored of, of the pain and the burden and the routine of religion. This is going to turn your life around. So please, please share it on your page right now. Comment, tell your friends, invite them, let them know something's about to go and then they sh you don't want them to miss out on it at all. Okay, so this morning I will start again by saying thank you to you all for being a part of this. We started yesterday. Um, yesterday I spoke about the journey to Golgotha. And I spoke about the pain and the, and the, and the, and the, and the, the pain and the, the terror that Jesus had to go through to pay for our sins and to bring us to where we are today in Christ. And I tell you that that service for me was a blessing because it opens our eyes again to see what God has done for us so that we don't undermine it. In the book of Galatians chapter 3 verse 1, Paul was speaking to the Galatians. He said, you were, he said, Christ was crucified before you. What that means is that he taught so much on the cross. 
Paul talked so much on the cross that it was almost as though the Galatians saw Jesus crucified before them. And so we don't want to take this for granted. It's such a price, it's such a sacrifice. We must keep it before us every day. The cross is very different from that beautiful jewelry you put on your neck or on your ears or your, or your arm or your wrist. The, 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 the cross is not beautiful. It's beautiful to us today because of what Jesus did for us. But for him it was pain, for him it was terror, for him it was horror, for him it was sacrifice. And we always are grateful to Jesus for what he did for us. So today we'll be talking about the old versus the new. And I want to I address a lot of questions this morning. If you have questions, please, you can send in your questions immediately on the comment section. The old, we're looking at the old covenant versus the new covenant. So Jesus brought in the new covenant. But if you look at the, 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 the posture of God and the old covenant and the God's posture and the new covenant, it looks as though something changed about God. It looks as if something was different from the Old Testament God and the New Testament God. It looks to us as there are two different gods. And why does God change? The book of Malachi says it does not change. So what happened? What happened to God? What is, what is the difference between that expression of God and what, was, what, what, what made it happen? What made it necessary? Now, what, what, what is the benefit? What do I stand to benefit from it? Please, I don't want you to miss out on this. This changed my life. This changed my work with God. This changed my relationship with Him. That is why I'm not overwhelmed with the boredom and the routine and the pain of religion. That's why I'm free today because I found out this truth. Listen to me. Religion is worse than sin. Religion is more terrible than sin. Sin will keep people away from God when they are unsaved. Religion will keep them away from God even though they are saved. Religion is the biggest wall between man and God. And today we are going to shatter every block of religion that has hampered our work with God for so long. Now the Bible is made of two covenants. I have to start with that. The Bible is made of two covenants. It's called the old covenant and the new covenant. The Bible is made of two covenants. It's called the old covenant and the new covenant. A covenant is an agreement between two parties. Very simple. A covenant, agreement between two parties. Now, we usually would call it testament. We call it the Old Testament and the New Testament. The Old Testament and the New Testament. In our modern palace, it is referred to as a will. So I'll call it, if I'm going to call it today in my own legal palace as a lawyer, I will call it a will. God's will, the old will and the new will. Now, it's known for us, even in legal practice, that the will is amended, amendable. Now, I have written wills for people who wanted to change their mind after a while they go. We, we call back the old will, amend it, and return the new will. So it's possible to have an old will and have a new will. And that's exactly what happened here. Now, this will is testamentary. What it means to be a testamentary document is that it does not come into effect until the person who wrote the will has died. That is why a will has no power when the writer is alive. A will has no effect. A will has no force when the person who wrote the will is still alive. So when they say something is testamentary or something is a testament, what it means is that it comes into full effect on the death of the person who wrote it. It comes into full effect on the death of the person who wrote it. Now, every will as an executor, please, my, my, don't, I'm trying to lay a very strong foundation so that you can have a firmer grip on this this morning. Every will as an executor. In every will, an executor is appointed. I've been appointed twice on a will as an executor. 
the job of the executor is to ensure that after the death of the person who wrote the will, the content of the will is thoroughly followed to the letter. Because the person that died is no longer there. So he appoints an executor, someone who possibly is younger or possibly we all believe will not die before him. That person is the one that would ensure that the will is followed through even in the absence of the person who wrote it. Now, the Old Testament is written based on the death and the blood of animals. Like I said, a, a testament cannot come to effect until the death of the person who wrote it. So the Old Testament is written on the death and the blood of the animals that were slain in the Old Testament. While the New Testament is written on the death and the blood of Jesus. So Jesus is the testator of the New Covenant. Now, in all of history, in all of history of mankind, Jesus is the only person that has ever lived that wrote a will, then died so that the will can take effect or so that the will can have the force of the law. Then he rose back from the dead to personally execute it. Only Jesus. He ensured that he wrote a will for you. He died so that the will can be powerful, so that the will can have the force of the law. Then he rose back from the dead so that he can personally supervise the execution of the will. So the Old Testament was the covenant. Remember I said that the covenant is the part, is the agreement between two parties. The Old Testament is the covenant between God and man. The Old Testament is a, is, 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 is a covenant between God and man using the blood of animals. While the New Covenant is an agreement between God and Jesus using the blood of Jesus. The New Covenant is an agreement between God and Jesus. This is why there's nothing you can do wrong to break it. There's nothing you can do to alter it. There's nothing you can do. In every covenant, in every covenant, if you, if you draft agreements or you've seen an agreement before, there will be a termination clause. Now, the termination clause of every agreement talks about what you can do to terminate it, terminate the agreement, or what you do, what you do wrong, or what you do erroneously that can that can result to the termination of that agreement. Sometimes the agreement terminates with time. In the sense, the agreement will terminate after three years, or after five years, or after two years, or if you do so so and so so and so. You, this agreement will be terminated. If either of the parties is found to be a criminal, found to be in prison, found to be a drug addict, found to be uh, convicted of any crime, that, 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 that agreement can terminate. Now, because the both parties are attached to the agreement. But the New Testament, there is nothing you can do to terminate it. There's absolutely nothing you can do wrong because this agreement is between God and Jesus. Only God and Jesus can terminate it. Whatever you do today cannot terminate. That is why you are absolutely covered in this agreement. You are a beneficiary, not a party. Let's open the book of Hebrews chapter 7. This is a long read this morning. I want to take your time to read Hebrews chapter 7. Hebrews chapter 7 from verse 11. Hallelujah. Please follow me. Don't let me lose you. Hebrews chapter 7. Hebrews chapter 7 from verse 11. Hallelujah. Hebrews chapter 7 from verse 11. Now please follow me closely. The Bible says, Therefore, if perfection were through the Levitical priesthood. Now, the priests in the Old Testament were called Levites. 
if perfection were through the Levitical priesthood, for under it the people received the law, the people received the law under the Levites, what further need was there that an another priest should arise according to the order of Melchizedek? What he's saying is that if the first agreement, if the first priesthood was perfect, why will we need another priest to arise after the order of Melchizedek? Verse 12, for the priesthood being changed of necessity, there's also a change of the law. Now, we are changing the priesthood. He says if the priesthood is changing, that means we are changing from Levitical order to Melchizedek, we are changing the priest. Please don't, don't miss me here. This is extremely important. If we are changing the priesthood in the Old Testament, we are changing the priesthood, we must definitely change the law. That's what it means. Verse 13, for he of whom these things are spoken belongs to another tribe. From which no man has officiated at the altar. Now, Jesus does not belong to the tribe of Levi. The Bible says here that the tribe that he belongs to, nothing of priesthood was mentioned. Nothing, absolutely nothing. Only royalty. So he belonged to Judah. Nothing of all being in officiating at the altar was mentioned. Verse 14. For it is evident that our Lord arose from Judah. I said that before. Verse 15. And it is yet far more evident that if in the likeness of Melchizedek, there arises another priest, verse 16, who has come not according to the law of a fleshly commandment, but according to the power of an endless life. Because, verse 17, it testifies, for you are a priest forever. Now, in those days, the priest has a lifespan. They don't live forever. That's why you have from Aaron to his children to down, 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 to we go to Eli. In the book of Samuel, you see each priest dying and somebody else taking over. But the Bible spoke about this priest that has an endless life. Verse 18, for on the one hand, there is an anointing of the former commandment because of its weakness and unprofitableness. Please follow me closely. He said the Old Testament was weak and unprofitable. On one other hand, we're anointing this because of its weakness and unprofitableness. Verse 19, for the law made nothing perfect. The Lord did not make anything perfect. On the other hand, there's the bringing of a better hope through which we draw near to God. Verse 20. And inasmuch as he was not made priest with an oath, for they have become priests without an oath, but he was an oath by whom he was says, The Lord has sworn and will not relent. You are a priest forever. He says it again. According to the order of Mishnah. Now, verse 22. By so much more, Jesus has become a surety of a better covenant. Hallelujah. Hebrews yeah. chapter 7 verse 22 says Jesus is a surety. is the assurance. is a guarantee of a better covenant. It causes the better covenant. Verse 23. And there were many priests because they were prevented by death from continuing. They couldn't continue because they were, they were always dying. Of course, verse 24. But he becomes, because he continues forever, he's an unchangeable priesthood. He never dies. The Levitical priest will die. People will die and be replaced. But Jesus never dies. So he's, he's saying that one of the reasons why this is a better covenant is because the priest over this covenant does not die. He lives forever. Verse 24. But he, because he continues forever, as I'm not changing the priest, that we said that verse 25, therefore is also able to save to the, This is one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible. He's able to save to the other. Who can help me with, with Amplified? Who has Amplified? Amplified. Amplified. If you have an amplified, can you please post it on the comment section if you can? Hebrews chapter 7. Jide is always there. Jide. Jide. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25. 
Therefore, Therefore, he is also able to save to the uttermost yes. those who come to God through him. I want Amplified. That's King James. If you have Amplified, you post it for us. Amplified. Do you know if you have Amplified or if a did young is online, it's Amplified. Therefore, he is able also to save to the uttermost. Is that what it says? So it says he's able to save to the uttermost. Listen to this. The Bible says Jesus is able to save to the uttermost for how long? Completely. Now he's able to save completely. What it means is that when Jesus saves you, he saves you entirely. He saves you completely. He saves you so much and leaves nothing behind for you to save by yourself. When he saves you, he saves your health, he saves your finance, he saves your family, he saves your career, he saves you absolutely. Then he says, what again, Biola? He says he saves you perfectly. Is that what he says? Perfectly. It doesn't save you in a way that is still, you know, although it saves you completely, but it, it saves you completely imperfectly. That means it saves you your health, but then you can still fall sick once in a while, but you are saved your health. <laughs> it says he saves you. Perfectly. What again? Finally. Finally. That means after now. After now, you will not need to be saved anymore. He has saved you to the extent that you are saved finishly. Finish. Saves you absolutely finally. Help me, be allowed to say again. And for all time and eternity. It saves you for all time. That means this salvation is not back and up. It's not a four-year tenor. Five-year tenor. So after five years, you come to renew it like your recharge card or like your data. Like you cannot exhaust the salvation. You cannot, you cannot use it completely so that you will not need to renew. That's what says the blood of Jesus has never loses the power. You know that song, Kissley? Running to the highest mountain. Ah, oh, you guys don't know these names. <laughs> Perfectly, finishedly, completely. What again does it say? Bella, for all time. All time and eternity. And those eternity. who come to God through him. Those who come to God through him. Since he is always living to make petitions. Now, God. you see that is why he's able to do it. Because he never dies. Because he never dies. He's able to save you. Pari pari. He's able to save you completely. Because he's always alive. Unlike Aaron. If, if your priest was Aaron the day Aaron dies, you have to start running up and down for another priest. But Jesus never dies. Is there? The Bible says he makes intercession forever. Verse twenty-six. For such a high priest was fitting for us, who is holy and harmless and undefiled, separate from sinners, and has become higher than the heavens. Verse twenty-seven. Who does not need daily as other high priests? He does not need to offer sacrifices for himself, unlike the other priests who need to first of all sacrifice for themselves and be then presentable and acceptable to God. Before then, they can present for others. The Bible says that he does not need to make daily sacrifices for himself. Verse 28, For the Lord appoints as I, priest, men who have weakness. But the word of all which come after the Lord appoints the Son who was perfected forever. Now, this is chapter 8, verse 1. Chapter 8, verse 1. Now, this is the main point of the things we are saying. We have such a high priest who is seated at the right hand of the throne. 
of majesty, a minister of the sanctuary of the true tabernacle, which the Lord erected, and not man, is the minister of the true tabernacle. So there are two tabernacles, the tabernacle of Moses and the tabernacle of God, the true tabernacle. Bible says Jesus is the minister of that tabernacle. For every high priest is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices, therefore it is necessary that this one also offers something. Everyone offers, so Jesus was to offer something. So what did he offer? For if he were on earth, he would have been a high priest, since there are priests who offer gifts according to the law. Who serve the copy and the shadow of the heavenly things? Everything that you see here, the Bible calls it copy, types. Can you say types and shadows of what is in heaven already, such as Moses was divinely instructed when he was about to make the tabernacle? For he said, See that you make all these things according to the pattern of number six. But now he has obtained a more excellent ministry. Jesus. Hey, obtained a more excellent ministry. Inasmuch as he is the mediator of a better covenant which was established on better promises jesus is the mediator so now we're looking at two covenants we're looking at two promises old covenant new covenant new promises old promises the bible says jesus christ is the priest of the new testament or like the levitical order who were priests of the old testament and old covenant the bible says that this testament is a better covenant established on better promises what's the meaning of better superior, superior more better eh? stronger i mean in every way so when i see people who say that wealth and protection and i have friends that you might be watching that wealth protection security is not covered in the new testament that it's only spiritual salvation when i see people say things like that they have not read the bible they have not read the bible when you tell me that all that jesus christ died for everything that he died for is just your spirit, nothing else. That means you can die a chick dead like a chicken. You are you are still exposed to disaster, exposed to plagues. That nothing. I mean, somebody told me that Jesus Christ did not guarantee all those things. The Bible says that this covenant is a better covenant established on better promises. Now, if you have a phone, if you have an iPhone five or iPhone six, and then you have an iPhone seven. Now, we all know and agree that the iPhone seven is better than iPhone six, and iPhone six is better than iPhone five. When something is better, it means that it has everything iPhone 6 can do and much more than that. iPhone 8 will have everything iPhone 7 can do and much more than that. iPhone 10 or whatever iPhone, whatever the one that is next, will have everything the, uh, the previous one can do and much more. So when the Bible says that the new covenant is established, it's a better covenant established on better promises, what it means is that it has everything that the old covenant can do and much more and you would agree with me that god ensured that his people were protected in the whole covenant the bible says he led them by a pillar of fire by day and cloud pillar of fire by night and cloud by the day you agree with me that god ensured that his people were supplied for the bible says you shall remember the lord thy god for is he that given the power to make well you would agree with me that their health that their wealth and their security that their families were protected and guaranteed in the old covenant and if it is true that the new covenant is a better covenant, trust me, friends, the new covenant has much more, much more, much more. It has much more than any of the sins of the old covenant can ever enjoy. Much more. And I'm going to deal with those much more if I have time this morning, even though we should get to tomorrow morning. Hallelujah. So I've got to the point that we understand that the whole covenant itself prophesies. It prophesies that the new covenant will come. Now, verse 7 of chapter 8, verse 7 says, For if that first covenant had been faultless, can you help me with your translation, Biola? Hebrews 8, verse 7. 
or somebody else who has new living, you have new living translation, please upload it. For if that first covenant had been without defect. Now, it says if that first covenant had been without defect, yes, there would have been no room for another one. There would have been no room for another one. Or an attempt to institute another one. Or an attempt. What translation is that? Amplify. Or an attempt. If the old covenant was okay, if the old covenant was super, was perfect, was airtight, there would have been no need for God to start thinking of another covenant. So you agree with me that the old covenant had faults, had problems, is not working. The old covenant is not the perfect expression of God's nature. And that's why there was a need for a new covenant. Verse 8 says, before, because finding fault with them, it says, beyond the days are coming. Like read from verse, verse 8 to verse 13, it began to quote the book of Je Jeremiah, where even in the Old Testament, the, Jeremiah started prophesying that a time would come that God would create another covenant with these people. That this covenant is laws will be written on their hearts. Unlike the one that was written on tables or stones. So we have been able to establish by scripture that the old covenant, the new covenant was better and is better than the old covenant. Now, if it's that better and it's that different, did God change? God is the same, is, is the constant party in both covenants. And you would agree with me that his expression of his nature in the old covenant was a little bit different from the new covenant. So what changed? Did God change? Did God is God nicer in the New Testament than it was in the old? Is he a better God? Is he a more fatherly God? Does he love his children more? In the old, in the new, that he loves them in the old. What changed about God? Now, because Jesus, why are we dealing with this? Jesus is the mediator. So Jesus is the game changer. Jesus was the one that changed everything. So is and because today we are celebrating, and he did it, of course, he did it with his death and sacrifice on the cross and resurrection. He was the one that brought this alteration that we're doing about this amendment of the old covenant. So did God change? Malachi 3 says that I'm the Lord God of all flesh. I change not. So what's the difference? Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1. We're going to deal with this together. Ah, I hope I'm able to finish this. If not, we'll shoot it tomorrow. Hebrews chapter 1. Same Hebrews. Now, Hebrews is very key. And if you, I know a lot of you might not have read the book of Hebrews before. Because uh, there's a lot of blood, blood, blood there. Just like um, Leviticus. Amen. So please read this. I'm not a vampire. But the book of Hebrews is one of the most powerful books of the New Testament, trust me. Because it was written to the Hebrews, the people who believed in the Old Covenant. People who held the Old Covenant priceless. Who thought it was their life. And would not accept Jesus because of it. So the book was written to juxtapose the Old Covenant. And it's why it says this, like, if the Old Covenant was not faultless, there would be no need for the New. It was talking to the people who held. And so, there are some Nigerians that hold the Old Covenant more than the New Covenant. They are more Jewish than the Jews. They don't believe in anything. They don't quote from New Testament. They think that God, the God of New Testament, is not a powerful God. <laughs> so they, they like the God that parted the rest. That used to to burn everybody. So they stay there. But let's see. Let's Hebrews chapter 1. Are you there? Hebrews chapter 1. Please let's do this together. Open your Bibles. Don't, 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 don't let it to me alone. Hebrews chapter 1. The Bible says, God, who? You're like, going to help me. You have your amplifier? Yes. 
in many places. No, don't read that. Um, if you have NLT, if you have NLT and you're online, please help me post NLT on the comment section. If you have NLT and you're online, please help me post NLT on the comment section. Please. Thank you. Ibu Shakaman, Bible says, God who at various times and at in various ways, you see, Bible because various times and various ways, God in various times and various ways has spoken to us in time past to the fathers by the prophets. So God spoke to our fathers by the prophet in various times and various ways. Why are you laughing, Kingsley? Verse 2. As in these last days, spoken to us by his son. So he spoke to our fathers by the prophets. Are you following this? But now in these last days, please follow me. Yo. In these last days, he's speaking to us by his son. The Bible says, whom he has appointed heir of all things. Please, if that Bible is your Bible, because I'm coming back here. Help me underline that all things. Ear of all things. What is the meaning of all things? All things is everything. Through whom he also made the worlds. The verse 3 says, who being the brightness of his glory, the express image of his person. Pastor Fumi, do you have NLT? Has anybody post NLT for us? Pastor Fumi has NLT. Let's start. Verse 3. The sun radiates God's own glory. Now, the sun radiates God's glory, yes. And expresses the very character of God. The sun expresses the very character of God, yes. And it sustains everything, yes. By the mighty power of His command. Now, what does amplified say? Master, the full expression of the glory of. Now, when you hear soul, soul, what's the meaning of soul? Single. Now, soul is not just singular, it's monopolistic. The only, that's what it means, is the only expression of what God, of the glory of God. That means nobody else has expressed the glory of God. Only the sun. Continue. The light being. The light being? The outrage. The outrage. Or radiance of the divine. The radiance of what? The divine. The divine, yes. And he is the perfect imprint and very image of God's nature. The Bible course is the perfect imprint. What's the meaning of imprint? Ah, Jesus. Perfect imprint and what? And the very image of God's nature. Now, is perfect imprint very image of God's nature? Now, I wrote here in my notes here that is the exact likeness. Now, when I looked at all those words in different ways, so that I cast out myself, is the exact likeness that means it's one, it's one that looks exactly like God. Number two is the exact representation. Is the one that can solely represent God because if he is the soul representing or the soul expression, is the one that can solely represent God. Number three is the express, is the express, the expression of God's character. What's God's character? The way God thinks, the way God talks, the way God does his things, God's what, what God does, the way God, whatever, whatever expression God has is his character. Jesus is the expression of God's character. Now it's the exact imprint, just like Amplified says, of his nature and the exact expression. Of his nation, exact input and exact expression. Now, Jesus is the only one that has shown us the Father. Anything Jesus does is what God will do. Anything. Not Moses, not Elijah, not Elisha, not Jeremiah, not Isaiah. Anything you see Jesus do is what God will do. 
There is nobody in the entire of the Bible that God said follow. Like He said, follow Jesus. He didn't say people should follow Moses. He never said anywhere that people should follow Moses. He never said anywhere that people should follow John the Baptist. He never said he, he didn't tell anybody. It was only Jesus. This is my beloved son. Hear ye him. It was only Jesus. So if you ask God, like, God, we are following Moses. Who asked you to follow Moses? Only Jesus. Anything you see Jesus do, you can be sure that's God. The Bible says, Book of John. He says, Whatsoever I see my father do, John 5, verse 19, whatever I see my father do, that's what I do. That means Jesus Christ will not say what he sees his father say. He will not do what he sees his father does. He will, he will not do or say or act or react in any way. He has not seen Jesus. He has not seen God. If you look at the story of the woman who was caught in adultery, Moses said, Anyone caught in adultery should be stoned to death. That was what Moses said. Now, anyone who is an adulterer stoned to death. They brought an adulterer to Jesus. And they said, Moses said this. What say ye? After they did that to test him, and said, Okay, anyone of you that does say cast the first stone, and they did that, you know, strategically with the wisdom of God to dispel them because not all of them are not perfect. But my point was that he forgave that woman. He says, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. No, so he didn't say, Go and sin no more, and I will not condemn you. That's not what he said. He gave her first the gift of no condemnation before giving an instruction. To live accordingly. So when I checked the Old Testament, you know, because I'm going, to, I'm going to be dealing with this, I'm going to be dealing with God in the Old Testament and God in the New. If I don't finish today, we'll continue. When Rahab, the harlot, was caught, she was an harlot. She was more harlot than that woman that Jesus has caught. That woman was caught in adultery. She has a business of adultery. She opened shop, went to CSC. Submitted her documents, the registered her. She has a house, a company, a company, a, a corporate office. When people come, client tales, you know, people are being attended to <laughs> as they come in. She's a sister established career person. So when you say that somebody's caught in adultery, this one is caught her. You know, she's that's where she is. Who would have believed? That this same woman will become an ancestor of Jesus. Who would have believed that she would be the great grandmother of Jesus? If God included and had not in the genealogy of Jesus, now I understand why Jesus did not condemn that woman. Now I see the broad difference between God and Moses. Prayer became an ancestor. You read the book of Matthew chapter 1, you see her name boldly there. Aria. Aria was one that gave her to um, Boaz. No, she's the grandmother of Boaz. No, no, she's not. Sorry, she's the one that gave her to Boaz. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So God did not change. Let's continue. Apart from was caught in adultery, the prodigal son, Jesus Christ showed us how God treated the prodigal son. After packing all his loads and leaving his father's house, the Bible says that when he came back, the father embraced him. Jesus Christ said, he gave us the illustration of the father. That the father came out when he saw him afar and embraced him. Unlike what religion would have taught you. Religion would never teach you that God will come after you. No. No. So when that boy came back home, he came back home with a mindset of religion. He came back home, you know, cramming what he would say. He said, Father, do not make me any of your son, one of your sons anymore. Or make me one of your servants. That's exactly what, what he had on his mind. And... 
God dispelled it in me. Stop that. Give him the best robe. Give him the finest robe. I know, as I was saying before, that no matter how much you exhaust, you can never exhaust the grace of God. So if they said that that guy packed his clothes and packed his shoes and packed his clothes and he went out of his father's house, when he came back, I was surprised that there's still clothes and shoes and rings and robes for him in his father's house because no matter what you do, you can never exhaust the grace of God. The prodigal son came back home. The woman caught in Ireland, he came back home. Zacchaeus was a tax collector. Tax collector. The Bible calls them publican. They call them sinners. They, 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 they are ready to get tax collectors, publicans, and sinners. That's how they categorize them. But Jesus picked Matthew, who was a tax collector, as a part of his disciple. So when he saw Zacchaeus, he said, Zacchaeus, I'm going to your house tonight. People were very upset. They were very, they were very upset. They said, how can Jesus be eating? But I see, I see exactly that Jesus is the full expression of the Father. It was Jesus that showed us God's nature, not Moses. Okay, let's just check these guys one more. If you look at Elijah, for instance, Elijah and Elijah. Before we go there, open to Matthew eleven twenty-seven. Open to Matthew eleven twenty-seven for me. So very quickly, Matthew eleven twenty-seven, John chapter one verse eighteen. If you have it, you can put it for us. Matthew eleven, Matthew eleven twenty-seven, John chapter one verse eighteen, John chapter ten verse thirty, and John chapter fourteen verse eight. I'll go again. Matthew eleven twenty-seven. Matthew 11 verse 27, John chapter 1 verse 18, John chapter 10 verse 30. I can quote the scriptures offhand actually, but I want you to read it from your Bible so I can see. But just keep it before your eyes. Don't let it depart from there. So what does Matthew 11 verse 27 say? All things have been entrusted and delivered to me by my Father. Jesus Christ is speaking. He said, everything has been entrusted to me by my Father, yes? And no one fully knows the accurately and accurately understands the Son except the Father. Now, Jesus Christ says nobody knows accurately and understands the Son like the Father, yes? And no one fully knows and accurately understands the Father except the Son. No one! What does no one mean? Eh? Yeah. Does that no one include Moses? Yeah. Eh? Does he include Elijah? The Bible says no one knows the Father, but who? Except the Son. It's a very categorical statement. There is nobody. What it means that all those guys in the Old Testament don't even know God? Whatever they were showing and expressing, they were showing on their own. They don't know God. They don't know God. No one knows the Father, but the Son. No one knows the Father. But the Son, I don't care how powerful, how strong, or how mighty their works were, no one knows the Father but the Son. Whatever they did, they did, but they didn't do it out of deep knowledge of the Father. Now, because when Elijah called down fire and burnt people into ashes, there was a time in the book of Luke chapter 9, verse 55, that Jesus Christ was turned down by the Samaritans. Samaritans. And Zachary says, let us call down fire like Elijah did. So he says, you don't know the kind of spirit that lives in you. You don't know. So that means that if Jesus was alive on earth in the days of Elijah, he would have rebuilt Elijah. Stop that! That's not correct. But there are churches that they are founded on fire and burning people with fire. That is what their church is about. How to burn people. But Jesus says, you don't know. So whatever Elijah did, was dramatic, what the lion did was exciting, I know, powerful. Jesus says it is out of ignorance of who the father is. 
It is impossible to kill in the name of Jesus. Impossible. I kill him in the name of Jesus. It's absolutely Jesus died for that person. It's important to kill that person in his name. Possible. Not to kill. Possible to kill them in prayers. It's impossible to John, just what does John 1.18 say? John 1.18, if I can't finish it, like I said. No one has ever seen God. See that? But Moses, <laughs> Jesus said, no one. I said, no one. See, but Moses, I said, shut up. I said, no one has seen God. Except who? The only one. The only person. Himself, God. Himself, God. Who is in closest fellowship with the Father mm-hmm. has made God known. Yes, that's Jesus. What translation is that? Anything. The only person who has seen God is Jesus and has declared. Let me go on. What does my own say? Give me a question. John 1, John 1, 18. John 1, 18. No man had seen God at any time. Now, the Bible says no man had seen God at any time. Not now, not yesterday, not before, not Old Testament. No one has seen God at any time. Yes. The only begotten Son, the only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, which lives in the bosom of the Father, yes, He has declared. It. He has declared it. So it's the one that has seen Him that can declare. Him. So it is what Jesus. You see, if you want to, if you want to, if you want to say who knows God, it is the person that has seen Him. It is what that person is doing that we can use to say that this is who God is. You can see that everybody who did anything in the Old Testament did it in a partial knowledge of who God is. Everyone. Everybody, whatever they did, they did in an imperfect expression. I'm not saying it's not God's expression, but it's an imperfect expression of who God is. I wrote here, Hebrews 1 verse 1 says, God has spoken to us in the past, but He spoke to us in parts. And His expression was overwhelmed by the temperaments and the personalities of those He used. <laughs> Let me read that again. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 1 says that God has spoken to us in the past through the prophets, but He spoke to us in parts. And his expression was overwhelmed by the temperaments and the personalities of the people he used. So when you look at what God did to Elijah, you'll be shocked. You would think, for instance, look at Elijah. Elijah is a very dramatic person. Elijah and Elisha. Do you know that Elisha did more than Elijah? Double. But Elisha is not popular. See, today, is it God of Elijah said that? Hey, 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 God of Elijah said that? Hey, hey, hey. Nobody has ever said God of Elijah. And I don't know why. That man did more. Do you know that man did more? Yes. But Elijah is still overshining Elijah today. They threw somebody's bones, somebody's body to Elijah's bones. And he was from the dead. I mean, Elijah, Elijah was so anointed that his dead body was raising the dead. People said, no, 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 it's Elijah. Why are people saying that? There are more stories of Elijah destroying lives. <laughs> and people are more, their, their proclivity to is more to destruction than beauty. So when somebody says, I'm the prophet of the Lord, if I be a prophet, he wants to kiss someone. <laughs> That's why he's doing like that. So if you are someone that you are giving life and helping people, they don't think you are any prophet. Until because of you, people were destroyed. You enter a place and everyone dies. They say, wow. What a prophet. That's why people are tending more towards Elijah. So Elijah called down fire, killed 150 people with fire. He sought out the prophets of Baal. 
there was none of those things that God sent him. No. There was none of those things that God sent him. Elijah, get it down to Mount Carmel. Cut that fire, kill the of them all. There is none of those things that God sent him. But if you look at Elijah, you would think that God is a dramatic God. And if God does not react like that, you think that this God is not strong. If God does not burn people, if he doesn't cause people to be destroyed and slaughtered, them, and that you are wondering, why can't God just destroy everyone? You know, if, if, you, if you keep looking at Elijah, your perspective of God will be that of the spectacular and the dramatic. If you look at Jeremiah, Jeremiah was a core introvert. He was a melancholy to the core. That was why all his writings were very emotional. He was one of those people of lamentations and he wept over and over in the lamentations. He said, I weep so much, my bones are tired. <laughs> so if you look at Jeremiah, you have a perspective of God of someone who is extremely emotional and that he's always very touchy. He's always very mushy, mushy. Just want to help people. <laughs> and because that's how Jeremiah was. And you're going to see God through the lens of Jeremiah. You're going to miss out on who God is. Isaiah was a strong man. He was a national prophet. He prophesied to nations. He was a judgmental prophet. He was the prophet that used to war woe more than any other prophet. Woe to Assyria. Woe to Babylon. Woe to Israel. Monty was saying, woe is me. <laughs> Everybody woe. He was a judgment driven prophet. He was declaring God's judgment over the nations. Everywhere he was going. So if you look at God through the perspective of Elijah, all you see is judgment. Is judgment, declaring the judgment, declaring judgment. That's all you will see. It's like this story that we know about, you know, of, of six blind people who were sent to touch elephants and describe what the elephant or what an elephant looks like. Now the story says one of them touched the trunk of the elephant and said the elephant looked like a snake. One touched the air of the elephant and said the elephant looked like a fan. One touched the body of the elephant and because it's totally big body, it says the elephant looked like a wall. One touched the tusk of the elephant and said the elephant looks like a very sharp knife. And one touched the tail of the elephant and said the elephant looks like a snake. And then one touched the legs of the elephant and said the elephant is a big tree. Now, the six of them have touched the elephant and they have described what they touched. But is what they touched, what they touched, is it really? Is it true? Is it true? But what they touch is it the full description of who the elephant is. So all through the Old Testament, you have blind people touching God and describing what they touch. Jesus is the only full expression. Is the only full expression of who God is. Jesus is the only fool, is the only one who fully expresses who the Father is. So God did not change. Let me tell you how God did not change. I'm going to end with this because of our time. I'm sorry I'm taking your time beyond what we planned. It does not change. Bible says it's love. God is love. There are two major qualities of God in the Bible is that He is love and He's holy. He has power, but He's love. He has wisdom, but He's holy. He is not power. He is not wisdom. It says that he's not with the Bible. There are several people who call him the Christ, the wisdom of God. But the, the, the nature of the Christ of God that we know is that he's love and his holy. Now, if the Bible says it does not change him, which chapter 10 says Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. That means God was love yesterday, he was love today, he's love today, and he's love forever. That means he was love right from the garden of Eden. 
So let's start with Daniel. And we're going to look through this Genesis throughout to, um, to, to New Testament. I'm going to end with that. Uh, I won't have to exhaust all I know that. God created Adam and loved him. Bible says he gave him dominion over everything. Give him dominion over, over the animals. Psalm chapter 8 says, What is man without mindful of hand of him? So I've given all dominions over the beasts of the field, the birds of the air, and what all the fish that pass on the paths of the water. Who is man without mindful of him? He loves man. From that of Eden, he loved Adam. He loved Adam and gave him complete dominion over everything that he had. Number two, he came down to Adam when Adam fell. Unlike religion, who says you must go up to God when you fall. God came down to Adam when Adam fell. God came down. He came down in Eden. He came down in Jesus. He's always been coming down. He has nobody has gone up to him. Nobody has gone up to go and meet God one, discuss something with him or tell him something or complain to do something. God has always been the one coming down. He's coming down to meet us at our level. The Bible says, Jesus Christ, he partook of flesh and blood. He, he laid aside his glory and came down to be born of a woman in a dirty, messy place called the mountain. He loved Adam from Genesis. He came down when they fell. He called them out of their hiding. So I said that it was Adam that first hid from God. God has never hidden from man. Never. Isaiah 45 verse 19, I've not spoken in secret or in dark places. God has never hidden from man. So all those books about how to seek God, how to pursue God, are, I, love, I love the concept of those books, but they are not fundamentally correct because God has never run away from man. So when Isaiah says, seek the Lord, when he can be found, he's speaking from the perspective of Isaiah, from the perspective of Jesus. Jesus Christ is seek the kingdom of God. And that one means to pursue God's intent, pursue God's agenda, not to pursue God. God has come to pursue man. His story was about that man whose sheep was lost and went after the sheep. So he came and he called them out of their hiding. God did not hide from man. God did not hide from man. God did not hide from man. Man was the one that hide from God. Man was the one that... God has never hidden from man. Never. Number three, he clothed their naked. Now, this is, he was doing this while they had offended him, while they had sinned against him. He killed an animal that he created. God was the first person that shed blood. I said that yesterday. Not man. He clothed their nakedness. They had clothed themselves with fig leaves. And I explained, I've, I've said that in the sermon before, that fig leaves is an illustrative of hypocrisy, illustrative of deception. That fig tree that you guys saw, who had leaves but have no fruit. It's an appearance of what you are not. You are putting up in front of what you are not. So that was what they meant when they used fig leaves to cover their nakedness, cover their weaknesses, cover their um, inconsistencies. But he removed it and he covered it with his own, with his own sacrifice. He cleared it before. He prevented them from eternal damnation. I'm talking from, I'm speaking from Genesis chapter three. He, he, he drove them out of the Garden of Eden. I explained that yesterday. That they were not hit out of the tree of life and um, and death. Oh, sorry, knowledge, knowledge of good and evil. So they will not leave, sorry, they ate from the fruit of knowledge of good and evil. That's why they, brought, they committed their error. But if they didn't want to eat out the, the, the fruit of life and that they don't live forever. Why doesn't God want them to eat from the tree of good and evil? I think I'll just discuss that tomorrow because of our time. He closed their nakedness. He prevented them from eternal damnation so that he could be able to save them later, later in the years. Now, he, after that, he still walked with Cain and Abel. Do you know that Cain and Abel offer sacrifices to God? 
and they did not see God offering sacrifices. They must have seen their parents offering sacrifices. So even outside Eden, he was still relating with man. He spoke to Cain. Did he speak to Cain? He spoke to Cain. I said, Cain, this thing you are doing, we need you to say. So he had a relationship with them. He did not abandon them. He did not abdicate his relationship or his, uh, his, uh, his, his connection with them. He loved them still. He spoke with Cain and Abel. Do you know that when Cain committed murder, he put his mark on Cain that nobody would kill Cain? Do you know that? Yes, he did. The Bible says that Cain says, This pregnancy is too much for me. Anyone that sees me will kill me. God said, No. I put my mark on you. And God protected Cain. And God says, Cain went from there and built seven cities. After he killed his brother, his brother's blood was shouting, Hey, 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 from the ground. <laughs> God says, Okay, it's okay. We'll attempt to die later. But then the blood of Jesus speaks better things than the blood. So I'm talking about God's expression of love from Genesis. So first, starting about God, and I'm not going to reach out, I'm going to reach the point where it's about killing the Assyrians and killing the Jebusites and the Hittites and the Canaanites and the all those heights. I'm going to get to that point. It prevented Cain from being destroyed. He walked with Enoch, and he took Enoch away. So in a generation, God was still so much in love with somebody. That he didn't allow that person to die. This is outside Eden. Oh. God was walking. Okay, which walk did you walk with Adam? He didn't even take Adam with him. From the beginning. He created it. No. So he never changed. He kept sending prophets to them. And the destruction of other nations was, a, was the best method he could apply then before Jesus Christ came. Then the last thing, he sent Jesus to die. Look at John chapter 2. Jesus Christ says that the Son of Man was not sent to condemn the world, but to save it. Tomorrow I'm going to continue on this because of our time. I couldn't finish on this, but I'm going to talk more about how that all this now impacts on our life as believers. What is the difference? What do we stand to gain? What are the benefits of this new covenant? What is the need for us? What changes does it how does it affect us as believers? What's the between what the, the, the old, old Old Testament saints have and now what we have now? It's important for you because you can buy a gadget, a gadget that can do so many things, and if you don't know that you can do such things, you underuse your gadgets. A lot of people are using so much that people are buying a lot of expensive and sophisticated devices, and they're not even using up to two percent of what they can do. Why? They don't even know those things can do those things. So tomorrow I'll be telling you what is the need for you in this new covenant and how you can position yourself enough. Be blessed by it. Let's bow just be the We give you all the praise, Jesus. Oh, 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 Which you have commanded us to do, and the power to do that which you have committed and you have entrusted and you have, you have, you have authorized and equipped us to do. Thank you for the other prayers. Lord, I pray for my friends all over the world who's watching, who's, who's, who's connected on Instagram, on Facebook, wherever you're connected from, and those that will watch after now. I declare that your eyes be opened to see what is done for you, that your eyes be opened to see 
the difference and the benefits that are available for you. That you walk no more in darkness, but you walk in light. And that your life will your life will never remain the same again. And every bondage of religion is broken to them. Thank you for listening. In Jesus' precious name. Because we say Thank you very much for joining in today and do have a wonderful, wonderful day. Thank you for listening to this message. Meditate on these words and watch how it will transform your life. For inquiries, please call 0909-672-9827 or 0807-548-5997. You can reach us on Instagram and Facebook. Instagram at SLChurchNG. You can reach us on our Facebook. That's Supernatural Life Church.